could pretty much go home now, I feel like, and I don't have to preach this thing because the Holy Spirit was moving on me so hard sitting over there. Did you ever come into a service and just feel like God just totally designed it for you? Because that's how I feel this morning. Um, this summer, I heard that Holy Water song for the first time on the radio, and Cora was immediately in my head, and I just had to hear Cora sing it. And I came, I think Justin was here that weekend, and I was like, you've got to hear this song to the, uh, Kara. I was like, can we do this with the youth praise team? And here, um, it just so happened that she sang it for me today. So God, you're so awesome. Love you for that little God wink. So um, I hate to bring down the mood, but in order to discuss forgiveness, you kind of have to talk about hurts and pain. And so today's topic isn't uplifting and um, joyous at the beginning, but believe me, at the end it is. So um, I had a whole beginning planned, and then this morning God was like, I need you to talk about your mom. And I wasn't going to do that at all because it feels like every time I talk, I talk about my mom. And I was like, people don't need to know. They don't need to hear the hurts every single time. But God was like, if you're going to talk about how you forgive, then you probably need to talk about your hurts. So um, for those of you who don't know, when I was nine years old, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was in April that she got the news. I was actually eight at the time. And um, they did all kinds of treatment. She had a brain tumor. They removed the brain tumor. Um, you know, you, you go as a little kid. Doug Reynolds took us down to the hospital. Um, and, and there's your mama with no hair and bruises and baseball stitches on her head. And those are hurts. Those are visuals that I'll never ever forget. Um, and the months went past, and um, she was okay. Uh, she wanted to be as happy and with us as possible. But when you're going through cancer treatments, you're not 100%. Um, I can remember one time in particular that Dad had gone to Petersburg for um, groceries. And we were home by ourselves as kids. And she started having a seizure. And um, she bit her tongue. And blood was just coming out of her mouth. And we didn't know. We were little kids. I was eight years old. I thought maybe she was bleeding internally. So we called 911. Um, ambulance came. We took care of it. I mean, kids are amazing, aren't they? So um, ambulance came and took her, and that was the last time she was in our home. Um, it wasn't very long after that that, um, that she passed away, November 29th, um, 1990. And last Friday night, I was at a cheerleading meeting for Elizabeth, and a woman came up to me, and she was like, how long has it been since your mom died? And it was funny because I had actually done the math not very long ago. Um, it's been 30 years. 30 years. So you can do the math. I'll be 39. December 1st. Um, yeah, I'm getting old. So, but uh, years and years of God dealing with me on this, um, you run the ramp of every single type of emotion when you have trauma as a child. Um, but talking about childhood trauma is actually one of my absolute favorite things. And this whole idea of forgiveness has been with me since that moment as a child. Um, as an adult, I wanted to be a psychologist or a therapist, or I just wanted to answer the question. When trauma happens in a family, when trauma happens to children, how can so many different avenues come about? There were five of us in the house when my mom died. My brother was 18. My youngest sister was under two. I was right in the middle. Um, and the way that we each experienced that trauma was different. Um, 
And the way that we processed it, the outcomes of it, it was all different. None of us handled it the same. And that was amazing to me. So the first thing that I get from that, and one of the takeaways I want you to get from that is, pain is not comparable. We are individually made. God designed us individually. And so for me, that trauma was something specific. Your trauma is going to be different for you. So you can't ever look at someone else and say, well, they don't know. They don't know what I have dealt with. They don't know the hurt that that person caused me. They don't know the words that were said. They don't know this. They don't know that. You cannot compare your pain with another person's. God has designed us uniquely to handle the things that we handle. And everyone processes it differently and at different stages. We've got to have grace for one another. Um, I think that's one of the easiest ways we can handle hurts is to ask ourselves about what maybe that person is going through. It's a lot easier for me when I'm wounded by another person to say, I don't know their whole story. Even on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week basis, we are one way or another. You could be hurt on Monday and cut somebody off in traffic on Tuesday. You know what I mean? You can't judge pain from anybody. You don't know what someone's walking through until you ask them, until you have a conversation. So forgiveness, as I was thinking about preaching this, I'm like, what story am I going to use? There's so many stories in the Bible about forgiveness. And really, I just felt like God was saying, it's not a specific story. It's not Joseph and forgiving his brothers. It's not, you know, there's so many different options we could have chose. Really, what it is, is this whole Bible is forgiveness from beginning to end. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, mercy was there. I don't know what animal God killed, but there was an animal killed. Blood was shed. There was justification for the sin. And mercy was given. It was shown to Adam and Eve that day. Um, How do I know an animal was killed? Because he covered their nakedness with animal skin. So something had to die in the place of their sin. He showed mercy from day one with Adam and Eve all the way to Revelation where we read about the ending and the victory in Jesus' blood for us. The truth is about forgiveness. You will never graduate from forgiveness. So if you're in here today and you're like, I've heard everything there is to know about forgiveness, you're wrong. Because tomorrow somebody can offend you and you're going to have to forgive again. It's one of those lessons that God will allow us to learn over and over and over. He never gives up on this this one thing. It's pretty important to God. We see it all throughout the Bible. Actually, forgiveness is some of the hardest scriptures that I have ever read. Matthew 6, 15. And let me apologize. There are no slides. Okay. I'm a college student. I know I'm 39, but I'm a college student. So I didn't have time. So if you want scriptures later, come see me and I'll I'll give you copies. Matthew 6, 15 says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Oh, snap. That's strong words, right? That's a strong warning. Jesus told his disciples that offense will come. Luke 17, 1. And he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come, but woe to him through whom they come. Jesus is warning that we will be offended. And not to be the one offending others. It's going to happen, right? I mean, we just do our best, but you can't help what might offend another person, right? We try to do our best, though. The Bible calls these stumbling blocks snares. 
I don't trap or hunt or kill anything. Matt does. So um, I've seen snares. We have snares. I've seen how they've worked. When we first moved to this new location, we have chickens and all kinds of things. And something was eating these chickens. I remember we went to church one Sunday, and it had pulled, like, all the chickens to the fence, and all there were dead chicken heads all over. And I think it was a mink. He could correct me. I didn't even know we had minks in Knox County, but guess what we do? And so Hunter and, and Matt set out snares. You know, there's, temp, there's a trap set out there, and it's going to kill the animal that comes, that gets it. The devil sets these stumbling blocks, these snares, these traps for us every single day. Some of you were probably offended before you got in the doors of the church. Matt and I stopped driving to church together a long time ago because I work here, and it, it maybe saved our marriage. I don't know. So <laughs> just, just try it, okay? We're all, we're all going to get offended. Okay. <clears throat> You've probably heard this before, but I heard it said that not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. When we don't forgive it's only hurting us, and it's causing damage in our souls. So last time I talked, I talked about Hunter's experience with Salmonella and the hospital and how impressed I was with nurses. So this morning I was going to talk about um, wound care. So if you are a nurse and you've worked in a hospital setting or in a doctor's office, I'm sure you see some pretty nasty wounds, right? And I couldn't be a nurse because of this very thing. Hunter will come home after helping the guy trying to load a car on a trailer, and he'll have his hand wrapped with, you know, McDonald's napkins and duct tape, and we're like, what happened? And I can't look, because I don't know. There might not be a finger there. So I'm like, Matt, you've got to do this. I can't do it. And so basically, the cord sliced his finger open, and I can't personally clean those wounds out. Some of you in here do. You're nurses. You clean out wounds. I can't do it. But if you don't clean that wound from the inside out, what will happen? Not going to be good, right? You're going to get gangrene, probably lose your finger. So someone has to clean those wounds out. I just I can't. That's why I'm going into education and not becoming a nurse. So wound care. Basically, not allowing God to heal us from the inside out is allowing wounds to fester. You cannot be an effect, effective Christian with damage in your soul. Why? Because when you go to work, when you go to school, when you, any, when you go to McDonald's, it's going to fester. And the only thing that's going to spew out of your mouth is the poison that's in there. You can try to hide it. You can try to cover it up. We can put a Band-Aid over it. We can think we're healed. But the moment that wound gets pressed, you ever had a splinter that had something cover over it? I mean, you feel it. You can't get rid of that. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can begin to heal from the inside out. And he wants that for us because he has missions for us. He has individual missions for us. Some of us don't bury our pain. Some of us take those pain and we make them like blocks and we, we make walls with them. And we build up these walls that we don't let people come in. And that hurts just as bad as covering it. We either build walls or we cover it, we bury our pain. Hurt people hurt people. Uh, Joyce Meyer said that years and years ago. And I think as a teacher, we see this with our kids. You know, you see a kid picking on another kid, they probably were abused. 
they probably had something happen in the house where they were hurt as well. If you're hurting, you're hurting other people. You can't give someone what you don't have. And if you aren't filled with love and forgiveness, how are you going to give that to somebody else? How are we going to be effective in our walk with Christ? And what about the church? So, yeah, we have a walk that's personal, but we also have a walk that's for this church body, but not only this church body, but the entire body of Christ. And division doesn't help. We cannot have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and function effectively as a church when there's not unity among its people. We have to be in agreement. I'm going to get a little touchy, and some of you might have a problem with this next statement, but I have come to a place where I can be thankful for COVID. I'm thankful for COVID. There's been a lot of inconveniences, and I have grumbled, and I have complained, but as the church, we should be thankful that God has allowed us a dress rehearsal for a tribulation. Granted, no one has lived this before, so there's a lot of grace but we should be examining how we reacted during 2020. And some of our things needed to be course corrected. If this was a trial run to end times, how would we have done? When people are hurting in their homes, when they can't leave their houses, when people are dying really sick, when people are scared and fearful, where is the church? Where are our hearts in this? All I see is bickering and complaining, and maybe that's not everybody, but that's a lot of people. I really think that we need to examine this and do better. This is a test run. God gives us lots of tests. There's lots of do-overs, and I just pray that we look at it, we examine it. We don't have to feel bad about it or condemned by how we handled it, but we learn from it and we do better. People are hurting. It, all you have to do is look on Facebook feed for five seconds, and you will see people hurting. It might offend you, but what that's really doing is showing you that people are hurting. I just said hurt people hurt people. We see the bickering and the complaining, and it makes us mad, and we want to fight back. I, I don't know how many times I've had to tell Matt, we'll be laying in bed, and I'm like, oh, I just really want to respond. Oh, I just really want to respond to this. And I don't. Maybe I, maybe I go to another person, my other person, and I respond to them, but this is a huge opportunity for us, church. And 2020 is not over. So I pray that we examine how we've handled it and that as a church we do better. And I'm not just saying this specific congregation. This is the entire church. This is the body of Christ. So don't take this on yourselves. There's power in unity. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Whoa. That's a strong word. So why is forgiveness so hard? It's continual. Usually the people who hurt us are close to us. Their family members, their friends, their relatives. So you can't really get away from them. Sometimes you can make boundaries if it's a really dysfunctional relationship, but you, you just can't run away from them. That doesn't heal it, right? So it's continual. You forgive that person and then guess what? Here they come again, and it's the same thing. It's the same old story. You can't change that person. The only person that you can change is yourself. The only person you can control is yourself. I know I want to try to change other people really badly, but the Holy Spirit showed me that that's his job, not mine. 
So I have to listen to the guiding of the Holy Spirit and see what's wrong with me, why am I taking offense to this, why is this pain hurting me? And then allow him to heal it, right? Okay, if you have your Bible, we're gonna read Matthew 18, 23. So I'll take some time, we'll go ahead and get there. Matthew 18, 23. Last week, Justin talked about um, the right way that God describes in the Bible of how to handle conflict. And then we hear this story about the unmerciful servant. This is Peter coming to Jesus. And I'm so thankful for the Bible that shows us an example so that we can have freedom in these areas. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times in reply to Peter. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debts of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. Forgiveness is a circle. We receive forgiveness from God, and out of the overflow of his mercy and grace, we are able to extend mercy and grace to others. It is a circle. We are just the vessel. Every one of us who have experienced forgiveness or been the one to give forgiveness, that was a miracle produced by the Holy Spirit. That wasn't anything that we can boast about. No one's more spiritual than someone else or more disciplined than someone else. It is the working of God in our lives, manifested for others. So we receive the Holy Spirit we get baptized. Thank God for Colin Squared this morning. I'm so proud of those boys. I could just cry. Um, and, you know, you're excited. When you first receive salvation, you're on fire for God. You go to every conference. You read every Bible verse. You're talking to your friends about him. Why? Because you're grateful for what he has done in your life. You remember what he forgave you for, right? But years go by. And we start to think that, oh, we're pretty good. You know, the other day I had a thought, and I was like, why am I even thinking that? I called somebody a good Christian. That's the silliest thing I ever heard. There's just Christians. There's no good Christians or bad Christians. Nobody's a better Christian because they do X, Y, and Z or whatever. There's just Christians. And years go by, and it happens to all of us. We forget that we were a mess. We forget what God forgave us for. And I think when you forget 
how much he forgave you for, like this servant, that debt that he could not pay, God forgave, took all accounts and erased them. And then what did he do? The guy owed him like 20 bucks and he didn't forgive him that debt. This is how we live our lives. So how can we keep ourselves from doing that? We forgot the great commandment. That's our first love. Matthew 22:37 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And what does it mean to love God? God tells us in John 14, 15, that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. So what is it that he commands us? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. I think this is another breakdown in the cycle. Some of us don't really love ourselves very much. I don't think that some of us even really like ourselves very much. If you really had the time to sit quietly with yourself, would you enjoy the conversation that you're having? If we can remember our first love, if we can remember what it feels like to receive the grace that God has for us and to know about his unconditional love, we would be radically on fire for God. It's unconditional. I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it, and he forgives me for all the crap I've done and I'm going to do. I mean, it's a miracle. I think we need to forgive ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm my worst critic. If I make a mistake, I beat myself up over it forever and ever. And I've already made two huge mistakes in the last month at school. I missed a quiz and then I missed a whole thing I didn't turn in. And I tell you, I beat myself up. And both times, my teachers reopened the assignments and let me submit them late. Praise God, right? There's grace. We have to extend grace to ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, I told you the story of me witnessing my kids at a table with family members, and that family member was guilt tripping one of my kids. And I just was watching this whole thing go down, and they're like, blah, 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 I can't be too personal because, you know, it's my kids and they'll get mad. But um, I could watch this whole guilt trip thing going, and guilt is a horrible motivator. And so I told you, I was talking to God about this. I'm like, there's got to be something to this. And he told me, guilt repels, love compels. The more we feel guilty, the bigger the chasm is between us and God. The bigger the space is between us and our spouse. The bigger the space is between us and our parents. Guilt repels. It completely separates like two magnets that can't touch one another. But the love of God compels He is drawing us to him. Oh my gosh, like a light and a bug. He's drawing us in. You're here this morning because God is pursuing you. It's not random. Nobody wakes up on Sunday morning and decides I'm going to go to church at 9.30 in the morning. It's you are being pursued by the creator of the earth. Because he loves you that much. Guilt repels, love compels. You are not to walk around feeling guilty and condemned. That is the devil. He is the accuser of the brothers. That's us. And what he does is he goes to God and he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're letting Megan speak on Sunday morning because she does blah, 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 blah. And Jesus is like, I know. I know. I chose her anyway. And that's you guys too. I'm no, trust me, I'm no angel. 
Matt's like, you're so, thank you for preaching. I'm like, oh, good Lord. Right? Lay down that guilt and shame. I pray by the end of this message, that's the biggest thing that you hear. Love keeps no records of wrong. When we fight other people, tell me how you fight. Are you the kind that's like, remember back in 2002 when you told me X, Y, and Z? And I mean, do you do that? Because love keeps no records of wrong. That is not fighting fair. If that's you, don't do it. If we love our, our, our spouses, if we love God, if we love our children, we are to keep short account. What does that mean? That means when they wrong you, because they will, or when you do something wrong, because you will, get it done and talk about it. I'm all about talking about things. Don't let it fester. Deal with it when it happens. Go to that person and have a conversation. Don't let it build and build and build and then let it be this major battle between you because it's not going to end well. Keep short account with those that you love and those you want to have good relationships with. Okay, the last reason we need to forgive. Sometimes when people hurt us, they don't even realize it. Luke 23, 32, and if you have your Bible, let's go there. You guys have probably seen this before, but really God just kind of, I mean, brought me to tears as I read this verse this week, and I thought, I just want to share this with you. Um, Luke 23, 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are going to do. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Those soldiers that nailed Jesus to that cross thought they were doing it for God. They were completely fooled. And so sometimes... When people are hurting us, they feel like they are actually doing the right thing. God had the ability to stop the whole situation. He was using those soldiers to complete his ends, but they thought it was for a totally different reason. Sometimes when people are hurting us, they don't realize what they're doing. And if Jesus can ask for forgiveness for these guys, nailing him to a cross, I think we can ask forgiveness and extend forgiveness for people who hurt us. In order to be effective Christians and in order for this church to have an impact on this community, we have to begin to let go. And I don't want to downplay anybody's pain. I told you pain is not comparable. I've experienced heartache, and I've dealt with it the way that God has allowed me to, that he's walked me through, and some of you are walking your own pain out, I know. So I don't downplay that at all. I would never tell someone to just get over it. I can remember being a little girl crying on the bathroom floor and someone coming in and telling me, it's been three months, just get over it. I would never say that to somebody, because the pain of losing a parent is lifelong. It gets a little bit easier. Like Friday when this friend came up and talked about my mom, I didn't burst into tears, but I'm still there. There's still a lot that I miss and I'm sad about. So why did Jesus do it? 
Why did he die on a cross? Was it for power, authority, riches, glory? It was for forgiveness. It was for the forgiveness of all of our sins. I mean, it's the gospel. He left his place on high and humbled himself to become a man, to walk the earth, so that when he is in heaven, he, we can have that advocate. There's no temptation that he has not had, that he did not overcome. He was without sin. He was the slaughtered lamb. His blood is forgiveness. And every time we refuse to allow God to open that wound up and start the healing process, we are basically slapping Jesus in the face. What he did is important, if not the most important thing that we will ever know about him. Giving up his life for us. Forgiveness is a miracle. It isn't an act of strength or determination. It's a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And I believe that he's still a miracle worker. He's still a way maker. He still wants us to have full access to everything he has for us. And I believe today he wants to set some people free. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and we're going to have some closing thoughts. Um, maybe we'll try to do two things at once. So don't get distracted by the moving people. Still listen to my voice. Two things for today. If you want to go ahead and stand up and we'll begin to get our hearts ready for worship. So first thing, if you have never received forgiveness for your sins from God, and you know he has been pursuing you, today is the day of salvation. The love of the Lord compels you. Do not let the day go by because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Whether you're 13, 33, 63, there's no guarantee. And there's freedom when you say yes to God. Two. If you have been weighed down by unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment towards someone, or maybe even anger towards God for something in your life, I pray that today you release that to God. I have an activity that I want us to all do together. Whether you're really thinking this out or not, physically, I want you to do this. Take your hands in front of you and put them out like you're, you're receiving something. But guess what? Today, right now, in this moment, you're hard. So make a fist. In your hands, you hold whatever pain that is keeping you from healing. Whenever you feel that you can release that pain during this worship song, I want you to turn your hands over and drop it. And then I want you to raise them up and surrender and receive the healing for that hurt. This is a, a this is alive you are not consumers coming to just consume what's happening on the stage you are in this with us this is interactive there's healing for those pains and I don't know what it is and maybe today is the day you're going to receive salvation for the forgiveness of your sins maybe you've never heard that Jesus is the way the truth and the life that you don't need a priest, that you don't need 
any kind of religious order to get there. He's here. And he is completely ready to, to, to let you in. It's available to you. Justin said, you know, we love to baptize kids, but adults need to receive salvation too. So as we sing this song, I want you to think about what that pain is. And I just want you to drop it. And I want you to leave this place lighter. And tomorrow, I want you to have a happy face on and filled with the joy of the Lord. And I want you to not bleed your pain on others. I want you to extend Jesus' blood to others. Let's go ahead and worship.